Hi, this is Klaus Meiner from the Scorpions. You're listening to Stuck in the 80s, but we're not stuck in the 80s because you check out our new album, You Mad the Hour One, and you figure out this is the Scorpions in 2007. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the movies. Say hello to my little friend! The philosophy. Carpe diem. Seize the day. And the camaraderie. I feel the need. The need for speed. Ow! Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com, and today, our epic Scorpions episode. Here I am, rock you like a hurricane. Here I am, rock With me, as always, my co-host, Times Pop Music critic, Sean Daly. <laughs> what, are we doing another one-hit wonder show? Are you kidding me? One-hit wonder. The Scorpions are one hit. Yeah, they got one. No one like you. Are you insane? <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love. Uh, I love. I love the whole gang. I love Pavel Masawoda. I love Matthias Jabs. <laughs> I love the whole Scorpion gang. Who did you talk to today? We actually talked to, or I spoke to Klaus Meine, the lead. Singer. You didn't even get Rudolf Schenker. You didn't even get James Kotak. I asked for him. I got Klaus. I asked for him. That was pretty funny. No, you had a great time talking to Klaus. Yeah, I've been wanting to interview the Scorpions. I've been a huge fan of the Scorpions ever since I was a wee little lad. By little, I mean 250 pounds. (laughs) What'd you pop out at? How big were you as a baby? Did you tip Uh, the scales at 12? No. God, no. I don't think I was over 10. But... um, now I've completely lost my train of thought. Thank you. <laughs> Come Our on, weight jokes right. have gotten out of control here. You started it. You started to make fun of yourself. <laughs> I so know. you talked to Klaus Mina because... When I was a kid, I wanted nothing more than to buy the album Blackout. <laughs> Why is that? Because it had the coolest album cover that I'd ever seen. That's the one with the guy with the forks looking like they're clawing out his eyes. Jeez, I've never even seen that. you gotta be, you got to be kidding me. What's on that album? That song, for one, smart ass. <laughs> but uh, that was one of the few albums that um, I put on the Christmas list. My parents picked it up in the store and said, there is absolutely no way we're buying you an album with a guy clawing his eyes out. You know, what, you know what was my first Christmas album? My first album that my parents got for me for Christmas was um, Jay Giles' band Freeze Frame. And my mom, I opened I was so excited. Freeze Frame, my first album... And my mom turned it over and saw the song Piss on the Wall, and she said, oh, Sean, do you really want to have this album? And I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm taking it back. See, that's You're why I'm so serious. warped. That's why I'm trying to make up for now with all the, 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 the penis jokes and the sex jokes. I was repressed. I was a repressed child. Blackout? The Blackout album in my house? That would never happen. Forks and Eyes? Mary Daly wouldn't stand for that. Did you get your album? Never. 
Really? Never. You know, and I was I was this close to telling Klaus about this, but uh, Klaus has been rocking for 40 years, and he's from Germany. I don't think that kind of guy is going to have any pity for that sort of a situation. He would have been like, our show's what, what is lost. <laughs> our show has become very German. It's extremely Teutonic, our show, and Australian a bit. Yeah, sort of the... I don't know. We're just we're, we're very worldly. We're we're global. We've gone global. I find it hard to believe you're not a bigger fan of the Scorpions. Ah, uh, no, I, I do. I like them. Rocky like a hurricane. No one like you. I the tiger. I like them all. <laughs> they have more. Scorpion than- Survivor. What does it matter? No difference. They have more than twenty songs that have hit the charts from their twenty-one albums. They have more compilation albums. Twelve. The most bands have studio albums, and they have more former members. 18 than most bands will ever see in a lifetime. My favorite former member is Lothar Heimberg. <laughs> you just like to say German names. I do. How come you say Jürgen Rosenthal? How come you say I'm fine now, but then when you read the reader mail, you butcher him? Ralph like, Reicherman, Karl Heinz Vollmer, and of course, Achim Kirschning. <laughs> uh, you love Klaus Meiner. You were really excited about that. Yeah. He was great to talk to. Um, they are. Is this a, is this a, a boy band? <laughs> I'm not a boy band. <laughs> not like they're like new kids on the block. It's your new kids. Uh, are we, only dudes like the Scorpions, right? Do chicks like Scorpions? I'd say the chicks probably. I mean, people chicks who like hard rock music, yeah, yeah. And they really they really like it when you call them chicks too. Yeah, well, you said it first, Jack. <laughs> yes. You know what? You know what? Blackout was a pretty obscene album cover, but it wasn't even close to coming to some of their album covers before that. Very provocative album When you covers. think of Spinal Tap and you think of the whole smell the glove joke, mm-hmm. it's really a riff on the Scorpions because in 76, the Scorpions had an album called Virgin Killer. Virgin Killer? Virgin Killer. Which, uh, featured- they mean that romantically, right? Not homicidally? <laughs> I hope so. They uh, featured a fully nude prepubescent girl. <laughs> prepubescent? That's, That's like the Blind Faith album. Yeah. 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 Um, Animal Magnetism in 1980 had a girl uh, kneeling in front of a guy's crotch. Yep. And, Did she uh, have tiger stripes or something on her? I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Every Scorpion out song I have now is on my iPod. I think the Zoo and Make It Real are on Animal Magnetism, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. But But what a lot of people probably realize about the Scorpions and, and what really kind of sets them apart is – you know, they, they sort of they sort of came into rock god status in the beginning of the '80s, and you could almost say that they sort of ushered out the end of the '80s because their song "Wind of Change" became sort of the anthem of the end of the Cold War, which you know coincided with the end of the '80s. So, you I mean you sort of have the bookends of the '80s rock and roll music right here with the Scorpions. That's true. And when I say the Scorpions, I'm making the biggest faux pas of the world because it's not the Scorpions; it's just Scorpions. Scorpions. And I like to call them just Scorps. The Scorps. Scorps. It's the best abbreviation. Scorps. It sounds like a minor skin irritation. <laughs> I got the scorps. Got the scorps. That and then some. So, uh, so during the interview with Klaus, we asked him. I asked him about uh, Wind of Change, what it was like to play uh, behind the Iron Curtain because they played in Leningrad and Moscow before uh, the fall of communism. We talked to him about uh, Brian Johnson, our old pal Brian Johnson oh, from ACDC. Yes. He uh, uh, showed up at a Scorpions. Uh, concert here in tampa and he'll tell you what happened but uh that's a of, funny story it is a good story that you told me that. that's funny yeah so anyway enough of our blathering on here he is klaus Miner from scorpions
Who's wrong with Klaus? Hey, Klaus, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Thanks for joining us for the podcast. Oh, all right. <laughs> I, I've been listening to uh, Humanity Hour One for a couple of weeks now, and I gotta say, that is one fantastic album. Oh, thank you. Why, uh, why the concept album now instead of a regular collection of uh, tunes? Well, you know, making a new record, first of all, you know, you think, where do we go from here? You know, after Unbreakable, of course, <clears throat> you want to make an album that rocks, you know, with lots of attitude. and But we want to make an album also that... Uh, it's not so much about like a classic rock album and we don't live in the past, you know, we're artists and we're bad. We're very much in here and now and we wanted to make an album that is more mature and by picking uh, the pro producer when we, when we were looking for the right producer and Desmond Child was on top of our wish list, when we met with him, you know, he went like, hey guys, you know, we got to come up with something that is really, that could be another milestone in your long career, you know. And so we want to make an album that's more mature, with lyrics that go deeper, with like when Desmond uh, presented us with the idea of humanity, our one, you know. We, we thought, this is great, you know, it gives you a red line. And so there are 12 songs on, on, on the record. It's like a common theme that runs throughout the album, theme of humanity. And, uh, you know, it's, we didn't want to make another record with, with songs uh, about boys chasing girls, you know. It's, I mean, come on, give me a break, you know. You want to be taken seriously as an artist, and you want to come up with something that has a powerful message, you know. And this album has both. We want to entertain our audience. We want to give them a rock album, what a lot of fans were expecting from us and were waiting for. And at the same time, we want to move on with our career. We want to make an album with that features the, the signature Scorpion sound, but at the same time, something that is current, you know, and something that is Scorpion's 2007. Your voice on this album sounds as strong as ever. I mean, I... I got to admit, it sounds like you're listening to the Scorpions from 30 years ago. How'd you do it? Well, <laughs> thank you. I mean, uh, actually, first of all, when you run through like uh, a major problem, like I did, like in the early 80s when we recorded Blackout, uh, I think after that, when I survived uh, two major uh, uh, surgery, I had twice on my vocal cords. You know, you take just better care of of your instrument. You know, and uh, so in all those years, it's an ugly word, you know, in the connection with rock and roll. It's called discipline. <laughs> <laughs> now, how did uh, Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins end up joining the project? Well, actually, Billy is a, is a huge Scorpions fan. He grew up with our music in Chicago. And uh, Rudolf uh, Schenker, he met with him like a couple of years ago. So they met again uh, when we were in L.A. in the studio. I mean, that's a good thing. When you are in a place like L.A., you bump into so many musicians, artists, you know, it's, everything seems so easy, you know. And uh, so he met with Billy. They went, I think they went out for dinner one night, and, uh, and, and Billy was excited, you know, when Rudolf said, you, you want to put a, a vocal part on the record, like a guest vocal part? And, and Billy said, of course, I would love to.
since we worked at some point we were working even in the same studio he was working with the pumpkins with Roy Thomas Baker mixing in the village recorder and I was in the same place uh, just next door working on vocals with Desmond Child so we we bumped into each other every day and I said to Billy whenever you feel good about it just come up and we, we record your part you know and that's what he did and we just met two days ago in LA uh, he played with the Pumpkins and we played Universal Amphitheater a sold out show it was fantastic and we met after the show we met in, in the bar in the hotel had a drink and uh, it was great that's fantastic how is the tour going so far? the tour is going great I mean since the album was released in Europe first and many parts of the world because uh, uh, we were looking for a new deal in North America uh, so the album was released on Sony BMG overseas and the end of May and that's when we started touring in Europe uh, and now we're back here in America with the our old Universal family and the album came out the end of August so the second leg of the tour started in early uh, August in South America. We did shows in Brazil and Mexico. Then we went all over Canada. And now we came back into the United States for very few shows because the season is almost over here in terms of putting a great package together. Uh, so we just do a couple of shows between L.A. and New York City to support the release of the new album. And uh, we we want to come back, of course, next year for more and hopefully with a strong package. And it would be great to come back to Florida again. Oh, we haven't been there for quite yeah. a while. We're, we're dying to have you down here. I have, I have never had a chance to see you guys perform live. So it's you're, you're number one on my list of of bands I have to see perform live before I die. That last time we played uh, in Tampa in the arena there, uh, Brian Johnson was there uh, just to see the Scorpions. And uh, so we had a drink backstage, and I said, Brian, you want to come up and join us for Rocky Like a Hurricane? And I said, of course, no question about it. So Brian showed up on stage for Rocky Like a Hurricane, and I mean, he told me if if you want to jump up, jump up my shoulders during the solo, you know, and uh, I take you around a bit, <coughs> no problem. And uh, but he he didn't say he would take me all the way through the through the arena into the audience, like he's carrying around Agnes, right? And it, it was it was amazing. So Brian took me up on his shoulder during the solo, and we went all the way through the arena into the house. And uh, I mean, I never saw Rocky like a hurricane, you know, from from the audience point of view, like being like around the front mixer, you know. And and Brian went 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 all the way with me through the through the place. It was fantastic. We had a great time. We just uh, I spoke with Brian Johnson about a month ago. He was doing a charity show here in Clearwater. Yeah, and we had a chance to talk to him for about a half an hour. What a great guy! I mean, he is an amazing guy. Yeah. He is a great guy, and I mean, he could be a comedian too. You know, oh, he's hilarious. Yeah, he, he is like his his humor is hilarious. You know, it's fantastic. We love. I mean, I must say we we played many times, like in the first tour ever we did in the United States back in '79. The Scorpions were opening up. It was ACDC as special guest, and headliner was Ted Nugent. Wow. And from that time, from way back, even when Bon Scott was in the band, you know. So uh, with the ACDC guys, we were very friendly, and whenever we we, we played together, like Rock and Rio, or we meet, you know, they invited us in the studio in New York City like a couple of years ago, and and Brian said. You guys, you know what? You sit in the control room. Rick Rubin was there and he said, you sit there. Now, you know what? Guess what? ACDC will play for the Scorpions now. <laughs> oh. Is that cool? Amazing. 
You know, it's, it seems to me like a lot of the bands from the 70s and the 80s, a lot of the hard rock acts are, uh, are seeing like a resurgence in, the, in their popularity now and they're doing these big tours. I mean, why do you think people are falling back in love with hard rock again? Because that, that kind of music is very powerful. And I think those artists that are still around, uh, those artists, they have a lot of experience. They know how to entertain a big arena. They know how to entertain a stadium. You know, they, they've just been, they saw it all. They did it all. And the reason they're out there is because they love it. You know, they just, they simply love it. And uh, there are a lot of fans that, uh, that were during all those years, like the alternative and grunge revolution, revolution years, they were not so sure because many classic rock bands, it was like, uh, it was like the end of the road for most of them, you know. So we are all survivors, you know. But for the bands that are out there now, it's like the older, even the older fans, they enjoy coming out again and check it out. And they are surprised because they expect, well, I don't know what they expect, but they definitely don't expect what they see up there because it's still a very powerful show and the Scorpions still rock. They still got this thing, you know, and the best thing is they see so many young kids in front of the stage singing not only the new song, songs like Humanity or 3 to 1, but also all the classics. that they, they, they seem to be familiar with songs that were written where they, even before they were born, like Blackout, Rock You Like a Hurricane, and all those. You know, and it's a, it's a beautiful mix of a, a young audience and some folks that are very loyal supporters for so many years, and they all have a blast, and they walk out of the place and they go, man, I didn't expect that. That was fantastic. And I mean, and because of the internet, I guess, this news is spreading out all over the planet, you know, and wherever we go, we saw this in Paris, we saw it in London, we saw it in Sao Paulo, you know, in Mexico City. The audience is, it's very, very young, and, and, and they, are, they have so much energy, and, and they get a lot of energy from the band on stage, you know, <laughs> and uh, that's fantastic. And it's, I must say, it's a privilege after all those years to see that, and it's very inspiring and motivating. You guys have really been everywhere in the world, but, but one of the places that always stands out to me is that Scorpions are one of the first rock bands to play in Russia back before the Iron Curtain fell in the mid Yeah. What was that like? Well, that was amazing because, I guess, because we are Germans and we grew up in the shadow of the Berlin Wall and uh, because of German and Russian history in World War II, we grew up as a post-war generation. Uh, after all the success we enjoyed in the world, and especially all the success in the 80s in America, we wanted to go behind the Iron Curtain. We knew we had millions of fans there. We wanted to go there. And it was very difficult. And uh, we went there in 88, and the KGB was around us all the time. And uh, But we saw that their fans, it was like Scorpio mania. Fans were coming from Siberia for 20 hours on a train to be part of a rock concert, to make the experience and to get a taste of of the free world. And uh, a year later, we went back to Russia and played the legendary Moscow Music Peace Festival. And it was the moment 
of inspiration for a song called Wind of Change that became the anthem to the to the coming down of the Berlin Wall. But when we go to Russia these days, this song symbolized the end of communism. You know, so it's a song that was not only a worldwide hit, it, it's a song that has such an historical background. Down to Gonky Park Listening to the wind of change August summer night Soldiers passing by Listening to the wind of change And it was a moment of hope You know, we were hoping that the times of the Cold War, this is over, and we all will hopefully live in a more peaceful world. And of course, we all know that that was destroyed by in, on September 11th. Yeah. You know, so the world changed dramatically September 11th. And uh, but we're touring not only Russia; we go to places in the Middle East, and we can feel and we saw the world changing. And rock music had a strong impact. So. Playing in places like Cairo in front of the pyramids or playing in, in Tel Aviv or in, in, in Beirut, in Lebanon. And we see people singing the same songs, sharing the same emotions, you know. Uh, it, it gives, gives you hope and we, we, we know music is a tool and we can use it and, and, and sending out positive uh, messages, positive energy, and hopefully brings the people closer together, and we all live in a hopefully in a more peaceful world in the future. Is it is it still really emotional for you when you play a song like "Winds of Change" in concert? I mean, is it still as emotional to you today as when you wrote it? It is, but it depends on where we play it. You know, I mean, it it was a hit in America too, but uh, not so much with with the hard rock audience. You know, yeah. this song was a big hit in the mainstream. Uh, so it's a total different emotion uh, when you play the song in in in, in Eastern Bloc countries, uh, or of course in Russia. Or, but even in Asia and places like that, it's it's more emotional than over here. You know, uh, here in America, uh, song I think Scorpions is more identified by songs like "Rock You Like a Hurricane," "No One Like You." But I must say, uh, like "Humanity," the title track of the new album, uh, goes down live very well and gets an amazing response every night we play it. Uh, so people get the message, obviously, and "Humanity Goodbye." Which means humanity. It's time we gotta uh, think about it and and turn around and find back to the to more love and respect for each other in this world. message with this new record make love not war that's what it is 
you know, but Wind of Change, it, it is an emotional song in many parts of the world. And when I sing it, and it still gives me goosebumps, uh, when people standing in front, front of me in front of the stage crying. You know, because because of that song, because of the history, and because what happened in the world in that that moment in time. Now you mentioned some of your older tunes, like um, "Rock You Like a Hurricane" and "Still Loving You." I mean, "Still Loving You" is probably one of the definitive power ballads over here in the U.S. Yeah, it is, yeah. and it kind of almost set the the standard. Do you have Do you feel any pressure when you put out a new album to to put a power ballad on there? Is there a or is that something that you feel like you want to do? That's something we always did. You know, it was always uh, in the Scorpions' DNA. It was always between the hard rockers and, and the ballad. Even before uh, somebody called it power rock ballad. You know, we always, and we had, we had so many songs from always somewhere to holiday when the smoke is going down. We had so many acoustic songs that were just beautiful. And, and they still sent me an angel. It's another one. You know, uh, so... There's pressure with every album. With this album, uh, it was different because when you pick Desmond Child as a producer, you, of course, you pick him as a songwriter too, you know, and this time it was a collaboration with some of the best writers in rock music. Uh, Desmond, James Michael, uh, uh, Marty Fredericks and Eric Bazilian, some of the guys we've been working with before, and uh, so it was such a creative uh, pool. Uh, to 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 as far as the songwriting goes, that was just great, you know. So there's always pressure, you know. But this time we wanted to make a very powerful album that hopefully, even in times of the internet where people download one single song, we were hoping that people in the old-fashioned way have a chance to listen to the whole body of work. I noticed that when it comes to a lot of bands and their work in the '80s. Some bands kind of embrace it, like Iron Maiden, and then others, like Rush, kind of prefer to move on and concentrate on their more recent work. I mean, where, where do the Scorpions fall on that scale? Do you still include a lot of your signature 80s tunes in your current set list? I mean, we do, because, like I said, there's so many young fans out there that never saw the, the band live. And so we play uh, some of the old songs, but you know, they're classics like Big City Nights or The Zoo. Uh, and we recently, since we played a couple shows in Europe with Uli John Ross as special guest, uh, we even went, ba- uh, went uh, all the way back to the early 70s and played songs like Speedy's Coming and Flight to the Rainbow. You know, And that was really cool, and the, the, the fans, they enjoyed it a lot. There was a big show that will be out as a DVD very soon uh, in Germany called Wacken, the Wacken Festival we did last year. And there were 60,000 di- uh, hardcore metal fans from all over the world. And uh, it was recorded A Night to Remember. And, and we had a couple of guests, Michael Schenker, Uli John Roth. And so we went through all those songs, you know. In the set now, we don't go that far back, you know. But, but songs like The Zoo, they are just classics. And, of course, songs like Bad Boys Running Wild. I mean, these days we play that with a twinkle in the eye, you know. There you go. Good job. Thanks. You're a much better interviewer without me gumming up the works. I don't know. I sound kind of choppy and chunky. Chunky but funky. 
I like it. There's that nothing way. funky about me, my friend. <laughs> no, you did a good job. Hey, you had a chance to uh, hear their new album, Humanity Hour One, right? Yeah, I liked it. I liked. I wrote about the um, the song he does with Billy Corgan. Ah, yes, the cross, fantastic song. Yeah, Corgan kind of sneaks in there at the end. It is, but the whole album I really enjoyed. I got to be honest with you. I mean, you know, they should be proud of the album, but it sounds very much like a Scorpions album, a Scorps album. I mean, it's very, it's a very familiar sound. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what Kevin Cronin said when we interviewed him. They are who they are. I found the album to be a warm Teutonic blanket, a comforter, even a uh, a down pillow, a quilt of uh, conceptual ideas. <laughs> Are you reading off of something? No, I'm not. The, um, um, I've had this album, I've had the advanced copy of this album for about two or three months now, and I listened to it pretty much nonstop leading up to this, the interview with Klaus. I got to admit, I mean, it made me fall in love with the Scorpions all over again. The songs like uh, like this one, 321. can't tell me that just doesn't rock it does it does so it rocks to the highest power (laughs) (laughs) aha saved by reader mailbag this is the part of the show where sean tries to make up for all his previous faux pas by butchering the email that he chose from one of our readers this week sean what do you got this is from our good friend ian ian from down under Again, like I said, hot in Germany, hot in Australia. And Ian is a, is a good, uh, good buddy. He goes to both of our blogs, and uh, he's a friend of the podcast. And Ian says this, Hi, Steve and Sean. You guys are getting better and better, but you still need to convince Martha Quinn to replace Kathy. How hot does she still sound? Very hot. I assume Ian's talking about Martha Quinn, not Kathy, even though <laughs> Kathy was very hot, too. Still puzzled at your reluctance to do a men at work show or even an entire show on Australia in the 80s. Nah, just kidding. I don't think he's kidding. He's not kidding. He's no, he's serious. not. He is. He's very bitter and serious. One thing I had noticed, though, it seems that there was no sport played in the 80s. Any chance of rectifying this? I don't, I'm not sure what he means by that. We've never done a show on sports in the 80s. Oh, you know, it's interesting. Hard. I want to do a story on the 86 World Series. It's hard to do a show. <laughs> as soon as I said that, a lot of people just turned off their iPod. Yeah. It's hard to do a show in the 80s uh, with sports. I mean, just what, what do you have for audio? I mean, what do you I mean? It's like, I remember when Kurt Gibson hit that home run and beat the, you know, it's like, what, what do you, you know? Yeah, I think we could do something. I think Ian makes a very good point. We'll try. Anyway, on with the letter. I'm trying to get my wife to design a Mama No t-shirt. I will send you guys a sample when they get done. Mama No sweeping the nation. Mama No. Mama, no. You can say it so many different ways. Yeah, but Hers was very curt. Hers was like, Mama, no. No, and no. And she covered her bosoms. You always say it as, Mama, no. You always have a more, <laughs> you know, No, but she was, very, she was forlorn because she couldn't expose her bosoms for, you know, for me. Was that really the, the last visitor. time you ever saw him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was bundled up after that. That must have been horrible. I mean, <laughs> it was very sad. Said, I'm sure I echoed, Mama, no. <laughs> Couldn't you have gone to her and said, look, it really, uh, you know, I mean, kind of cut some sort of deal? <laughs> deal. I have some Krona in my pocket. 15 Krona? For a nipple? <laughs> okay. All the best, and hurry up and put your next show up on iTunes. I am nearly through all the old episodes I missed. Hooroo from Down Under, Ian. 
Thanks, Ian. Good letter. You know, Ian sent me an email today, and it had um, the lyrics for Down Under by Minute Work. And uh, it said something like, um, where the beer does flow and the men chunder. Chunder. You know what that means? It means to uh, excavate a forgotten gold mine. Does it really? <laughs> no. Because I asked him, I asked him, I said, what does chunder mean? I've never, I've never heard that. He's like, it's an Aussie phrase for, for throwing up. For barfing. Yeah. God, the Aussies, man, they got it going on. No one's depressed in Australia. I'd like one of our readers, one of our depressed listeners to, to, to call in, a depressed Australian. Really, they all seem so happy and rugged, and i got to go down there, drink some beer. I did drink a couple Foster's oil cans the other night. Delicious. They had a patent, that phrase, oil cans. That's <laughs> they how, were great. Everyone I know refers to them as oil cans. They are great. They are really, really good. As always, you can always email us at stuckinthe80s at com and take your chances with Sean reading your email on the air. <laughs> What's happening, hot stuff? Aha, time for Name That Movie Quote. And we still don't have a very good name for this segment. I'm sorry. Has anyone uh, called in with anything? Yeah, someone suggested we call it The Movie Whore. The Movie Whore? (laughs) Yes. Jeez, that's a little... I was like, what the hell's up with The Movie Whore? He's like, oh, you know, that's an industry term for for media reviewers or critics who give a, a decent review to any schlocky film, you know, that, that, that movie posters can then pick up. You That's know, like, you. Sean That's Daly you. from the St. Petersburg Times says, you know, Name me one short movie. circuit rules. Yeah. Well, short, I preferred short circuit, too, when they completed the story. Too yeah. many holes were... Uh, right. But uh, is there? Uh, you're a movie whore for mo- 80s movies. Name me one movie in the 80s that you didn't like. Making the Grade. Oh, man. Do you still have my Making the Grade movie? No, I think I'll give it back to you. I love Making the Grade. Oh, Come on, with Dana. Uh, exchange students love movie. Yeah. Come on. We were zero Gs there for a minute. Dirty Dancing would be another one I don't like. You didn't like making the grade at all? I don't even understand that. I can't uh, even compre- comprehend how you didn't. I, I have this theory about 80s movies. Some of them you can see for the first time any year, and they're, and they're brilliant. How about Morgan Stewart's Coming Home? I love Morgan Stewart's oh, Coming Jesus. Home. Are you kidding me? John Cryer? I give I, up. Thus invoking the John Cryer theory that uh, any movie that has him in it is is improved by a factor of 10. Even Hiding Out. Hiding Out's a great movie. The best thing to come from Hiding Out, the duet um, of Crying by uh, Roy Orbison and Katie Lang. And who's the uh, roller skate with? Isn't that... Uh, oh, Annabeth Gish. I love that. From Mystic Pizza. Yeah. Loved Annabeth Gish. I'm surprised you like her. I'm, I'm surprised I like her because she's very wholesome and classy. I usually like them a little dirty around the edges. I like to imagine that somewhere on a Hollywood street corner, Annabeth gets just sitting there <laughs> drinking a Red Bull and vodka and smoking a, you know, her t- second pack of Marlboros yeah, for the that's day. That's hot. That's hot. You I know, know I like them to taste a little bit of whiskey and smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Brace yourselves and see if you can name the movie from which this quote appears. You're a law student, right? Yeah. Well, don't come on so heavy, you know. Why would I ever hire you? You're coming on so heavy. There it is, my friends. Nearly impossible. I don't even know what it is. Is that even an American movie? <laughs> what language was that? We will uh, suffice to say that I'm not going to Das Boot. Hands. It's Das Boot. The bubble. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you think you know the name of the movie, email us at stuckinnews.tempe.com and we'll let you know if you're a wiener. Aha, the mystical tune that is named that 80s tune. We're like Price is Right now. We got like 50 games on this show. I think it's about time that we finally gave away the answers to the uh, music montage 
from episode 100. Now, this was the uh, five-part montage that uh, our good buddy David Peter Kofsky put together for us. I love Peter Kofsky. And uh, it was a little difficult, not as difficult as the very first montage we ever did. But uh, I'm going to play it for you one more time real quick. Last chance. There it is. Here are the correct answers. The first clip is Billy Idol, Money Money. The second one is U2's Desire. Number three is Joan Jett's Crimson and Clover. Awesome. Number four is Wham, Everything She Wants. Love it. And number five, where most people tripped up, that's Peter Wolf Lights Out. All right. I'm going to say something right now. I'm going to ask a favor of our, of our listeners. I have Peter Wolf's Lights Out on vinyl. I have on vinyl. I listen to it all the time. Can somebody get me uh, 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 an audio version? Obviously, it's an audio <laughs> version. Can somebody get me a digital version of Lights Out and send it to Steve or me? I would love it, really. I want it for my iPod, but That's I only have good. it on vinyl. Really? That's a good song. It's, it was a good album. But, uh, for Do you think somebody will send it to me? You never know. Sometimes we get lucky. Oh It'd be nice. The, if uh, you were asking for it, you'd have like 5,000 copies the next day. <laughs> Don't be a jackass. <laughs> the, um, as everyone knows, this time around we're giving away this, the special T-shirts from founditemclothing.com. Right. The movie T-shirts. And uh, last week we gave away a shirt for the uh, correct winner of that name that I used to. This week I'm going to make it even tougher. I'm going to do a new montage. And uh, if you get this one right, you get a T-shirt. And I'm going to give you a hint. These are five songs, and it's the drum, the, the beginning drum notes of five different 80s Ooh, songs. that's good. This one took me a while to put together. Listen to it carefully. Here we go. Ouch. That is very... That's brutal. Yeah. So here, here's the deal. You have to get all five songs in order... The song and the artist, and uh, you win the founditemclothing.com t-shirt. You get to give – I gave away the Bushwood Country Club shirt last week. Ah, who got it? Who got it? You remember? Uh, Johnny B. Good from Memphis, Tennessee won Cool. That. And uh, so uh, this week we will have um, – Did you actually send it, Johnny B. Good? I sent to the na- – no, that's his, that's his moniker. Yeah, I know that one on the envelope. You know, Johnny B. Good. Uh, I think I use his real name. There's no joke there. <laughs> Um, so if you think you know the songs in order, email us at stuck in the eighties at tampabay.com and you too can be a wiener. Hi, this is Jennifer from Seminole, Florida. Believe it or not, I used to date Steve back in the mid eighties. If you doubt me, just ask him about his glow in the dark bed sheets. For now, we're stuck as friends but forever stuck in the 80s. Time, and it's time To win back your love again I will now I will now Holy crap! Glow in the dark bed sheets? It wasn't my proudest moment. <laughs> what did you have, radioactive <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, Mr. Daly. <laughs> Sorry. Wow, that's a hell of a that's a hell of a uh, a call. Jennifer from Seminole, hubba hubba. 
Yeah, I actually did have glow in the dark sheets. I had. Um, what were they like Scooby Doo or something? No, they were the space. You know, like they were black. <laughs> she- you know, space. You know, they were black sheets with uh, the stars and all that kind of stuff. Glow. Lint. It's called lint. No, it's pretty sure they were sold as space sheets or something like that. So I had. A- <laughs> and uh, the really weird thing about it is, and um, uh, she had to remind me this when I, when I when she sent me an email. Uh, she you couldn't see it was so light in the bedroom you couldn't see him. So the only way you could actually see the glow in the dark sheets was to, to uh, put him in a closet. So <laughs> you are a weird dude. <laughs> uh, wh- how old were you when you dated her, Jennifer? Oh man, uh, it was freshman year of college, so I would have been that would have been like nineteen twenty. Yeah, yeah, the mustache then, huh? I think I, that was the summer I shaved it off. <laughs> I shaved it off the summer between my freshman and sophomore year. It was the summer I shaved it off. It's like a it's like a Wonder Years voiceover. Did you want a new catchphrase? When I was a college freshman, I bought a waterbed. <laughs> nah, it's not as good. Not as good as in college. I had a mustache. Nobody gets that but you, my friend. <laughs> that is going to start showing up right alongside Mama No T-shirts. In college, I had a mustache. It'd be awesome. I'd wear that shirt. In college, I had a mustache. I'd wear it because I I, I have a, a inability to grow facial hair. This is true. In fact, the whole daily man, we can't generate much body hair. Very We're like dolphins. Yeah. Very porpoise like. But I'm a hell of a swimmer. <laughs> I doubt it. Anyway, that's all we got for you this week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Klaus. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to some of the tunes from the Scorpions. You know who also is a great swimmer? Akim Kirschning, the <laughs> former member of the Scorpions. <laughs> Those Germans are brutal when it comes to the summer games. I didn't even try Wolfgang Zioni. My apologies to Wolfgang if I botched his name. Yeah. Anyway, along with the Scorps, Sean Daly, Hairless Porpoises, <laughs> and Glow in the Dark Sheets, we remain here firmly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. To read our blog, go to blogs.tampabay.com slash 80s. Email us at stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. That is a weird show. We may have to redo that, puppy. That is a weird show. You got to get rid of my radioactive line. That's the line that gets me fired. Jennifer's going to be like, oh, it's ew.